Hello, today's podcast will be about comeback mechanics in esports. Now, thanks to Thorin, he reminded me that I wanted to talk about this because he recently tweeted about it. And I was like, damn, I've been wanting to make a podcast on this for a while. And his tweet said, comeback mechanics are for children so they don't cry when they play Mario Kart. They have no place in esports. Now, I disagree that they have no place in esports. I think that we have comeback mechanics, mechanics in all of our beloved esports titles, pretty much, and that they serve to increase the quality of our viewing experience, playing experience, and just they increase the, the value of the game overall, I would say, and in many senses can maintain the competitive integrity. However, I do agree that the comeback mechanic in Mario Kart is absolutely trash. So the way I would categorize comeback mechanics is in two ways. One, explicit comment mechanics, and two, organic or natural comment mechanics. Now, if you guys have any suggestions for better names for these categories, I would be very, I would welcome those. I would really welcome those because I haven't put a huge amount of thought into the naming process and I'm not great at naming things. But uh, giving you an example of an explicit comment mechanic, Mario Kart is, is, is maybe the best. It's a button that was put into the game by the developers specifically for the scenario of you being terrible at the game, at you being unable to compete amongst your peers, and you then get to press this button, which is available only for you because you're so bad, and that allows you to bypass or circumvent the skill of the players around you, and it gives you for free a place ahead of them, which is in many senses just cheating. It's, it's what we would consider cheating because you're not really using any tools of the game or any skill sets of the game to get ahead, you're just pressing this button, which is a get ahead button for free. That sucks, that, that sucks. It's, it's, it's punishing the players that are better than you. And that's just, there's no other way to describe that than it sucks. I believe that Counter-Strike has a great explicit comment mechanic, for example, and I'm going to explain why. In Counter-Strike, we have a consecutive round loss bonus. So this is up to five rounds, it, it, it maxes out at five rounds at $3,400 and it starts off at $1,400. Every round you get $500 more incrementally or cumulatively than you did in the previous round for losing. So what we have here is instead of a get ahead button, we have here is an opportunity to find a way back into the game. Here is some money that's going to allow you to play some Counter-Strike and get back into the game. Now, it may be that you'll go for a half buy and maybe with that half buy, you'll be able to get a bomb down and find a way to create more economy for your team. Or maybe, you know, this, this half buy will allow you to keep your opponent's economy a little bit more honest by allowing you to use some of your skill. Maybe that's team play skill. Maybe it's a flashbang with two players that pushed up middle Mirage and you managed to catch this guy off guard. Maybe that you anticipated they were going to play a default and you, you stacked you know, you know, two players towards the B apartments on Mirage and, and they did a push and they did a, got a two versus one with the pistols and that numbers advantage somehow gave you uh, a gun and maybe a way to play the round. What we, what we can see here is that we're playing the game, we're getting opportunities to do things in the game, but if the opponent is ahead of you, they're still ahead of you. If the opponent has, let's say, benefited from being ahead, like having a much greater economy because if it's a fourth round loss bonus, we can assume that they've won four rounds in a row and that means that they have some money to buffer any mishaps that they may have in future rounds. So they're still able to benefit from their success. So nothing necessarily has been taken away from them. 
Now, there is an argument that sometimes comes in which may make this ambiguous and may give it a bad rap to an extent. And that is the cost of the pistols for how good they are. And I'm not a statistician or a mathematician. And perhaps if you got those guys and put them in a room together, they could perhaps work out like and say, you know, specifically actually for cost in you know, pistols, like a Deagle, a 5.7, a CZ, maybe these pistols should cost 1.5 times what they cost now. And, and maybe that's like the way that, it, you know, it would make the game more fair because they are too good versus the rifles right now. This and, and But that is, that's a different argument, I would say. I think that the coming mechanic because it doesn't punish the players ahead and it, and it doesn't lock down their options. It doesn't take, it doesn't take options away from the players that are ahead. It doesn't punish them for being ahead. I feel like that makes it a good explicit comment mechanic. Moving on to uh, what might be my favorite explicit comment mechanic, it's third strike. In third strike, Street Fighter 3 third strikes fighting game for those of you that aren't familiar, I'm sure though, you've all heard of Street Fighter. You get to take this option, a super risky option, which requires an incredible skill. It's 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 ridiculous. Like you have a, sometimes if it's a red parry, uh, two two sixtieths of a second, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think it's one frame. I think it's two frames to to time an attack someone's going to be making before you see them do it because you can't react visually that quickly. You just you can't you you can't do it. You have to just know it's going to happen, and if you mess it up. What happens is you get absolutely blown up. You lose the, you'll probably lose a match because you're probably wanting to do that maybe because you're in a position where you need to take a risk. And so you have this comment mechanic, which means that you have to take on more risk and, and, and it requires a much bigger skill to do it. And that's amazing because it creates exciting gameplay. It doesn't punish the other player at all for being ahead. It doesn't take away his options at all. It's just, it's just exciting to watch. I don't. I, I can't think of any drawbacks to the, the parry mechanic, and I'm just very sad that we don't see it in other fighting games because it's just so fun to watch. It's the reason why everyone loves Third Strike. It's a mystery to me why we haven't really seen it past that. Obviously, you know, one of the reasons, arguably, is because it's less user, you know, casual user friendly, and that's the reason why we get this one push buttons like in Overwatch. You know, an ultimate is here is you know your ultimate meter's been charging up. Now you've got this 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 one. You press this button, it will just kill everyone type deal. Um, but that can harm competitive integrity to some extent, depending on how the game has been designed around those abilities. So moving into two titles, which I think have incredible organic or natural combat mechanics, it would be Quake World and StarCraft, the two granddaddies of esports. Both games, I believe, came out in 96, if memory serves me. Um, and I think Brutal was 98, and I think it, uh, StarCraft was 96. I may have messed that up, but it's close enough. And the same with Quake, I think 96 as well. And... Quake was also the first 3D, like the actual proper 3D engine in none of this like 2D, 2.5D thing where you have sprites and stuff, you're running around in Doom and everything's sprites, it's kind of for 3D. No, it was an actual proper 3D engine, the first one that ever existed. And and the, the Half-Life 1 engine was built from that and the Source engine was built from that and we play we, we still play on this engine now effectively if you, if you want to be nerds about it. Anyway, I'm, I digress. Uh, nice bit of trivia there, but uh, I digress. So StarCraft Brutal has an amazing combat mechanic because the game has an enormous multitasking demand. It's very, very clunky to anyone these days because there's no multi-building selection. You have to bind, you have to put all your, your production buildings in one spot because the way that you macro in that game is 
you bind a location. So you, and, and it has to be an F key. So it's F1 through four. So for example, you would bind F3 to a bunch of barracks. And so that means you want to fit all the barracks on that particular screen. You have, you have one through zero um, to bind keys to for um, like group 12 uh, units, oh, sorry, groups of units that are comprised of only 12 units per group. And so that means you go through one to zero pretty damn quickly. And when you get to 200 supply, things start to get difficult to manage. And so what happens is because you're having, as, if you're the, head, the player that's ahead, you're going to have more bases, more economy, more units, uh, more abilities to be using, more um, areas on the map to check. You've got to go to every base and make sure that the SCVs you're building are mining. You've got to make sure the upgrades are going. You've got to do all kinds of crazy stuff. This means that the player that's ahead has more multitasking to do. And so what it means is that because in Brood War also, Units are very strong. They're very, very strong. And because controlling two groups of units is much easier than controlling four or five groups of units, there is another element that can can pay, uh, pay off for the player that's behind on supplier economy because they actually have the ability to, with these very powerful units, have better tactical control, better positioning, better timing. The way that they engage is more precise. Now, a player that made this very famous was Savior. If you want to look up articles, there's some really good old articles on Savior that are on Liquipedia, um, basically explaining how Savior was so incredible for, tactically that it created all these situations where economically it didn't matter so much um, in that era of of, uh, of StarCraft, and he was able to circumvent what would be horrible um, imbalances for his race on particular maps, and would have a high win rate against everyone because tactically he was so strong. And that's the combat mechanic: is that in, because the units are so strong, they can be used tactically very well. And if you're playing against someone that is having to multitask much more than you, then that's a very natural combat mechanic because he can't be quite as good tactically. If he does, he sacrifices something something elsewhere and loses that advantage that he has in economy. And you have this tug of war effect where this guy will have more units to throw at you, but you will have better tactical control of the units that you have. Now, of course, it doesn't always work out this way because it really comes down to the skill of the players. But at the very high level, you get the most incredibly exciting games in large part because of this. And it's one of the reasons why Brutal is special in many people's hearts. The Quake World 4 versus 4 example is very hard to explain. Um, there is a video of me at a QuakeCon where I was explaining this um, I'm trying to remember the, the name of it. I can't remember offhand, but it was, uh, it was made like a couple of years ago. And um, either way, um, Equaquad has this mechanic where, again, weapons are very, very strong. And so um, you, there is a, a weapon called the lightning gun. And if you're in a body of water with a lightning gun and you shoot it with the, when it has ammo in it, it basically kills the entire room. It's like an AOE effect. You don't have to even aim at anybody. It just kills everyone who's in sight and who has line of sight to you. That's where all you really need is line of sight and enough ammo and and it's a one-click kill so the crazy thing about that is it sounds really gimmicky it sounds like oh this this, this is like an explicit comment mechanic because there's one button that's put next to the game obviously it wasn't an explicit comment mechanic just because they, they didn't even know esports existed or competitive play existed um when they when they made any of this stuff but um but the way it works out in quakewad is that weapons are so strong that it gives you the opportunity to have weapons and it prevents it prevents the other team from who's doing very, very well, except in under extreme circumstances, it, it prevents them from having control of the weapons. So you always have a way to play the game. You're not just respawning con constantly. You're always able to pick up the weapons. Now it's really hard after the point 
in which you pick up these weapons. And, and in this example I'm using, is if those who know, I'm talking about the map, the map specifically, DM3, where there is the weapons room, where the rocket launcher and the lightning gun are both in the same room. And so to have control of that room, you, you, you risk getting discharged if you, if, you, if you want to attack it, that is, as a team that's in control. And all the things that you want that can keep you in control and keep you winning the match are on the other side of the map and in and, and, and areas are, you know, that aren't in that area of the map. So it's, it's kind of well designed in that way, although it's completely by accident. But anyway, um, this is a really cool idea, again, because it goes back to this idea before. What do we want to do? We don't want to punish the, player, the players that are ahead. We want, to, we want to give a fair chance to the players that are behind to get into the game and play the game. And in this example, they get weapons, but they don't get armors. They got to work for that. They don't get to get you know rid of the opponent's um, power up control. They have to work for that. They don't get to take armors for free. They have to work for that. They have to use their team play. They have to use these powerful guns that they have they have, they have collected uh, or have been able to collect. So it, again, it gives you a chance back into the game, even. Um, even though you know things are really really suck, there is a chance opportunities to play the game still. I think that's very important. One of the reasons, and, and I can I can cap this video uh, this video this uh, podcast off by talking about Quake Three. Quake Three is a game that didn't really have any combat mechanics at all. There was no combat mechanics. The only combat mechanic is being better than your opponents, <laughs> and uh, it just has Quake Three just had this thing where like if you just had to be good enough to know how to not let things snowball. Because if things snowball, that's it for you. It's just, it's just it for you. It's just not, you're just not gonna be able to recover. And that's kind of that's kind of what you have to have in a game which doesn't have any combat mechanics. You have to have other mitigating factors that can allow a player to not be in a snowball situation, but to still at the same time, not punish the other player for being a lot better than you. And then that's a very difficult thing to think about, <laughs> I must say. But that's been today's discussion on comic mechanics. I hope you guys have uh, had some interesting thoughts about it. If I would, I love talking about this, these topics. Things really interesting, and we don't really have to ever talk about them. So, if you would like to leave me some comments um, about comic mechanics. Um, ideas for, for podcasts like this. I, I would love to read them. So thank you very much for the support and I'll see you on the next podcast.